0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Rob Doster here. I got Jeff Goodwin with me. Hell no.
2: John Finkt. Are we still live? feel the 68 till I die. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph Children. DJ Khaled, you know the DJ
1: Khaled guy? Hands brought up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Tavka.
2: You're going to beat people, straight up. You know the deal.
1: They have no swag, they have no nothing. Terrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors. This is
2: Field of 68 After Dark.
1: Hello and welcome to the Wednesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. Rob Doster. Terrence Oglesby, Tyler Hansborough. I'm here with a couple of ACC legends. And yes, I call Terrence Oglesby a legend. I don't know what got into me. It must be a little bit of that brown stuff. We're live on SiriusXM channel 84. Uh, We're streaming over on Stadium. Of course, we are live on YouTube and X. Make sure to jump in the chat, ask us some questions, fire away. We are here for the next hour. We got to talk about the Fighting Illini who blew, uh, I think it was a nine-point lead with two and a half minutes left to lose at Penn State, that more or less put the dagger in their Big Ten title hopes. We're going to break down this Kentucky game whenever that goes final, and we have to talk about Duke. Guys, you are ACC guys. Duke might officially be back. They might officially be awesome again. But before we do all of that, the game of the night took place down in Tuscaloosa in Coleman Coliseum. I was there on Saturday. I didn't see a game anywhere as good as the game that we saw tonight. Alabama 98. Florida, 93 in overtime. Alabama was down by as many as nine points in the second half, uh, but they found a way to get it going. They found a way to get a win. They got it to the extra period, and they won by five. T.O., I'm going to start with you on on this one. Um, Aaron Estrada, 20 points, eight boards, eight assists. Mark Sears, 17 points, seven rebounds, eight assists. Grant Nelson, 22.6 blocks. Every time I watch this Alabama team play, I get more and more impressed by the talent they have offensively. We still have the questions about the defensive end of the floor, but what about this Alabama group stands out to you the most? How, how good can this team be?
2: Their, their ability to score. But I'll say this, guys. It looked like a game I would have loved to have played in. There was no defense whatsoever nobody could guard the ball and you were just hoping that a big 610 guy or seven footer either in grant nelson or micah handlockton was going to be able to block shots neither team was defending worth anything so uh, i know it was 98 93 i know they went into overtime but this was a fun game if you were an offensive player and let's be honest if neither team's going to defend neither team's going to go that far in the tournament because the basket has a lid on it at times in the NCAA tournament. you got to find other ways to win. And I'm not sure that either team really can. That, that, that's kind of a, a scary thing for me. Uh, they Both teams have talent. Both teams can put up 110 on a given night. Uh, but it's a matter of are you able to get stops. But I, I what I will say, really impressed by what, what Florida is able to do uh, so quickly because, I, I, look, they finally they, – they, they got their – they got their players right. They picked the right guys. I think Micah Handlockton has been terrific. Three three shots and it ends up with 13 boards, altered many more than the three blocks that he had. Uh, it's a talented bunch of guys. And Tyrese Samuel, we talked about him for a couple of years. When he was at Seton Hall, I was like, man, that kid's talented. Well, he just continues to prove that. They're good. Uh, it's a tough place to play at Alabama. And, uh, you know, you lose on the road in the SEC. I, I hate to even say it like that because that sounds like coach speak, but – that's the truth. It's tough to win on the road.
1: It's hard to win. Do we have Matt McCall on here tonight, or is this Terrence Oglesby? Tyler, what do you make of Alabama's performance, and where do they – I mean, look, they're in first place in the SEC right now. Where do you – is that deserved? Are they the best team in that league? Uh,
3: <laughs> you know, I, I don't really believe in Alabama. Uh, are they the best team? Maybe right now, but do they have the most potential? I don't think so. Uh, but to me, when I watch the game, I, I do – you know, I've criticized Alabama uh, when they lost at Auburn because I felt like they just kind of out-controlled physicality and the rebounding. Uh, but tonight when I look at the game, uh, they out-rebounded Florida by 10, and also they had more points in the paint. I think, uh, you know, they had – they outscored them in the paint by 16 points. So to me, it looked like Alabama played a lot more aggressive and really took it to Florida and got a lot of things out in transition and inside, which is uh, crucial. But to T.O.'s point, you've got to be able to play defense to really win. And uh, ugly games, you're going to have them in the tournament. You've got to be able to rely on your defense and your rebounding come tournament time. Uh, so that's where I'd have a little, uh, you know, suspicions with Alabama on that.
1: Guys, uh, I'm not. I'm not really uh, a great better. I think you can tell by uh, the number of pick of the days that I've had lose consecutively. I think we're at about six straight losses on our BetMGM special. It's great for our sponsor. BetMGM is such a big fan of me because I keep telling people how to lose money to them. Um, I think the EDs- these. Yeah, Fade Dawson. I think the easiest bet I ever could have won is that T.O. would have loved a game where everybody got up and down, shot up a bunch of threes, and nobody played any defense, and that Tyler Hansbro does not like the team in Alabama that doesn't have a Haas on the block that you could throw the ball into. That was the the most obvious pick that I think anybody could have ever made. Here's my thing with Alabama. I I feel like, and T.O., correct me if I'm wrong here, we're not talking enough about Mark Sears. We, we, we talk about Jamal and how good he was on Monday. Tristan Newton was awesome um, last night in the loss to Creighton. Tyler Kolick uh, has 18 assists tonight, and there's still time left in that game at DePaul, so I don't know if it counts if it's at DePaul, but it's at DePaul. Um, we've seen some of these other point guards, like Isaiah Stevens is playing right now on CBS Sports Network against uh, New Mexico. Where does Mark Sears fall into that conversation for you? Because I do feel like after seeing him in person on Saturday – there's so much Jalen Brunson in his game. And he's not quite at that level. But the way that he can absorb contact, the way he gets to his left hand, the way he finishes around the basket, I, I really, really like that dude's game.
2: Yeah, he impacts the game on so many levels. I mean, anytime, like, let's be honest, like the Alabama offense is geared for playmakers like him. So that's certainly going to help things. But uh, I would put him in the top 10 as far as point guards in the country right now. And there's a lot of really good point guards. So we, we kind of underestimated that group coming in. Uh, but Mark Sears is in there. Isaiah Stevens is in there. Uh, there's several around the country. It's just a matter of finding kind of what that order is. But he, he's a he, he's a terrific player. And here's the crazy thing. The fact that he was hooping at Ohio and then comes down to Alabama, like, you want to talk about being able to identify talent? How about bowls at Ohio before anybody figured it out? And then has a good year, comes down to Alabama, and continues to be good. Uh, it, it's just – Guys, let's be honest. It, it comes back to their defense, and if they have had even more shot making, they were getting open looks consistently. If they had even more shot making, they might have scored 140. Like a lot of easy looks, a lot of easy looks. But happy to see that you know he's able to impact the game so much. Uh, that Grant Nelson, at nine of fourteen from the field, six blocks, eight boards. He's also a huge impact guy. But uh, Mark Sears, we we've kind of known. That, I, I feel like that's one of the things about him. We almost know too much about him. If that makes sense like we know he's really good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Man, think about listen. how good that Ohio team was that had uh that had Mark Sears on it because he wasn't even the starting point guard. Jason Preston was. You guys remember Jason Preston second round pick upset Virginia in the first yes. round of the 2021 NCAA tournament. Um all right, last thing I want to get to on Florida is um they started out the the SEC season 1 and 3. Um as of January 16th, they were 11 and 6 overall. They've won seven out of nine but those two losses at Texas A&M in a game where they blew an 11-point lead and lost by one, and at Alabama, a game where they blew a nine-point second-half lead and lost by five in overtime. They're basically two possessions away, and I know it's not how it works, but just kind of go along with me, Tyler. They're two possessions away from being on a nine-game winning streak and sitting here at 10-3 and three in the SEC. I got a feeling this is going to be a team that is going to be under-seeded when you get to March, and a team that we are going to want to keep an eye on because I feel like they have a chance to be able to make a run. When you can score the way that they can score, if they get it going, they can play with anybody.
3: Yeah, I think uh, kind of like what T.O. mentioned is they've got to turn it up a little bit defensively, and they've got to be able to make stops uh, because when it gets tournament time, even if you are one of these lower seeds or higher seeds, everything is a little uncomfortable because you're not playing on regular court, uh, you're at a neutral site. So, yeah, I mean, you've got to be able to rely on your defense. And I like to include rebounding uh, in that just because I think uh, controlling the boards uh, seems kind of like an underrated aspect now. But just looking at their up-and-coming games, they only have two quad one games left. And then they play Vanderbilt, which is quad four. You cannot lose that. And then you have the quad three against Missouri. And then you play Vanderbilt again. So, uh, you know they they do have uh, a few games where if you lose it can drastically hurt you and they'll only have a few opportunities to really have some big wins coming
2: up soon.
1: Yeah, well um Rob Dillingham is doing some I'm crazy stuff
2: right now. I'm Go a ahead, little yeah. shocked that Florida, I'm a little shocked that Florida doesn't get up the line a little more because they have such a good they have such a good shot blocker behind everything and hand in. If that makes sense like they don't steal the basketball Mm -hmm. non-steal percentage 5.7 percent, good for 359th in college basketball like i understand that you you know they're wanting to contest threes or leave people there they they don't even come close to getting steals so i understand playing the percentages this that and a third but you you know when you have an elite record like that that's pretty i'm kind of kind of curious why you wouldn't do that more i'll ask todd next time i see him but
1: Yeah, I I think it's the. If you look at their guards, Walter Clayton and Zion Poland, it's not like you have the longest, most, most athletic dudes. Um, in that backcourt so maybe that has something to do with it but uh yeah that's a good point all right we gotta pivot we gotta talk about illinois we gotta get to this um i hope our producer trevor valise is not tuned in right now because this is not the kind of thing that he's gonna want to hear tyler i know you are such a big fan of the illini and their fans they blow a nine point lead with two minutes and 30 seconds left they lose on the road coleman hawkins who is my guy i love this guy's trolling ability he is elite when it comes to the internet he is maybe not elite when it comes to uh, some of the consistency and, and, and decision making in um, crunch time. Missed two free throws that could have put them up by four with 18 seconds left, uh, and then fouls a three point shooter um, with four seconds left on the clock. Uh, he steps to the line, I believe it was Zach Hicks, knocks down all three of them, and uh, Penn State goes on and beats Illinois at 90 to 89. This is a red flag. When you get 35 out of Terrence Shannon and you lose on the road to a Penn State team that is still under five hundred without their leading scorer who was just booted off the team, Tyler, that doesn't seem like a good sign to me.
3: Yeah, and so basically this game kind of comes down to what I've been saying all along, and it comes down to being disciplined and be able to execute under pressure and when things get tight. Uh, This is why I've said all along, that I haven't been a true believer in Illinois. And I did say that I think Illinois has the capability to go on a run with Terrence Shannon. When he left the team, I said, there's no way this team could really, you know, has a shot to do anything, you know, without him. But, you know, I I do like Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon, just because I think uh, Shannon has the ability to kind of go off and he is a great guard. And Coleman Hawkins is definitely talented and can do a lot of different things. But to me, this team has to play better disciplined basketball. You can't foul a guy uh, shooting a three, kind of that that heave late in the game, uh, desperation shot, and you put them at the free throw line to pretty much, you know, give them the lead Penn State. So, uh, you know, they went still and they, they struggled to find ways to score late in the game. And they didn't execute.
1: T.O., here's my take on it, right? And tell me if you think this is crazy. Um, I think they have the firepower to like be ahead and compete with and play with and, and um, be look for about 38 minutes like the best team in college basketball. And I think that tonight is a perfect example of what happens when you don't necessarily have a true point guard on the roster. You make some turnovers. You miss some free throws. You make some poor, poor decisions down the stretch. Like, I think that's just kind of – they can hang with anybody, and then when it comes to winning time, when it comes to nut-cutting time – uh, maybe you see situations like this. Is that is that crazy?
2: No, I mean they, they're going to look great when they don't turn the ball over and they're playing really well in isolation. Like that—that's when they're really good. The problem is you have 18 turnovers against a team today in Penn State, who thrives in that manner. That 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 can't happen. And not only that, they go on a what was it, 13 to two run in the last two and a half minutes of the game, Penn State, in order to win this game. Uh, I, a big momentum win for Penn State, so good for them for that. But uh, the concern for the Illini this year has been point guard play, and I, I think a lot of people have said that. A lot of people said the same thing. Uh, I, I kind of tend to shy away from that because I think there's enough individual playmaking on that team in order to make up for that. But when when it comes to like Tyler said, nut cutting time, like you got to have somebody that's going to take the ball, relax your troops, get you in what you're supposed to do and find ways to get good shots within what you're doing. And at least waste some clock and get a good look. Uh, not able to do that towards the end. 13 to 2, run to close on the road. I understand Penn State's a hard place to play, but you have to be disciplined. You can't turn the ball over. They turn the ball over a ton, and they foul from beyond the arc. So the worst thing you can do is let the other team score with the clock stopped. That's the worst. So yep. uh, discipline right. at the end is huge. All
1: right, we, we got we got about a, about 30 seconds each here. I want you guys to both weigh on this. Theo, we'll go to you first. Um, Okay. We just saw Purdue lose on the road at Ohio State, and we our reaction was kind of like, "Look, it's going to happen. It's the road, new coach, bounce, blah 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 blah, all all this kind of stuff, right?" Um, then we uh, see UConn lose on the road at Creighton, and it's you know we come up with these these excuses, these uh, these things where oh wow, Kentucky just lost on an incredible buzzer beater. We're going to get to that in a second on the other side of this break. Um, we saw Illinois lose on the road, and we didn't think too much about it. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you make of this Illinois loss on the
2: road, T.O.? Uh, losses on the road in conference happen. Uh, it's the manner in which that which it happened today, and I'm trying to watch this, but it's the manner in which they lost today, which is what's scary, and that's the 18 turnovers. You're able to do that. It's discipline. And here's the thing, 18 turnovers, they can still win if they don't foul at the end of the game, too. So they can play poorly, still be in the game. But uh, like I said, it's hard to win on the road. It's hard to get wins. It's hard to get wins. But it, it's more the manner in which they lost today, which is worrisome. Yeah.
1: Tyler? Uh,
3: I'm not a big fan of the ISO ball. And the reason I say that is because when it gets critical late in the game, you've got to do something to get a bucket. you got to have sets and you got to have plays that you run that you know you can score on. Uh, Penn State just turned it up a little bit defensively, and they full-court pressed them. Illinois looked like they'd never seen a press before in their life, and they turned it over and gave the game to Penn State. you got to be able to execute down the stretch.
1: Yeah, well, listen, on the other side of this break, we are going to talk about Duke's uh, run and how good they've been lately, and we have to talk about the buzzer beater that we just saw happen down in Baton Rouge, coming up next. What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox, you guessed it, daily. Daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball. From the notable mid-major upsets, to the stars that are out injured, to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched. The Daily is edited and produced by Mike Miller, who spent more than two decades running NBC's digital written content, and is subscribed by more than half of the Division I coaching staffs, the biggest names in college basketball media, and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport. For just $50 for the year, you get access to the same information that the insiders get. And before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch, there's no better way to gear up and the latest from the field of 68 the best thing i can say about our merch is the quality of the product anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans and there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life everything you need is at the Field of 68shop
2: Welcome back to the
1: Wednesday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. I have Tyler Hansborough. I have Terrence Olds. We were live on SiriusXM Channel 84. We're also live over on Stadium. Make sure you join Stadium's College Hoops Championship Ticket Sweepstakes for a chance to win two tickets to the semifinals and final in Phoenix, Arizona on April 6th and April 8th. Uh, Go to the link in the description below and enter for a chance to win. We also want to hear from you. Record and upload a video at that same link. It is Watch Stadium. Backslash college hoops sweeps uh, with your predictions for the four teams that will play in Arizona for a chance to be featured on an episode of Goodman versus Gottlieb over on Stadium. Gentlemen, we just saw one of the craziest endings uh, that we've seen in college basketball this season. Kentucky down on the road. Robert Dillingham gets a big bucket. They go up 74 to 73 at the other end. You get a block shot from Mineso. You get a save from Trey Hannibal, and you get a tip in at the buzzer from Tyrell Ward. 75. LSU 74, Kentucky, Terrence Oglesby. What do you make of this loss for the Wildcats?
2: A big, a big win for LSU, first and foremost. Secondly, it all, it's always good when you're just around the basketball. You're just around the basketball, good things are going to happen. And that's what happened today. And Yesu was actually out of the play. His big butt should have been in towards the play. It was a dude, the arrow, that came over and blocked the shot. Big fella, you got to get in and protect the rim, especially until the horn goes off. Like, that's one that you can't have. Um, that, obviously, that the game doesn't come down to one possession. It's not all his fault, but that's tough. You have to play till the buzzer, and you have to. if you're the big, you at least got to get around the rim just in case something like this happens. But big win for Coach McMahon, happy for him. Those guys have gotten off to a mediocre start. Um, LSU 14 and 12, six and seven, as many teams from the SEC as are on the bubble, you might as well put them on the bubble too. Why not?
1: <laughs> Tyler. You have every
2: um, SEC team on the bubble every SEC team on the bubble, might as well just throw them in there.
1: <laughs> All right, do it. Put, put LSU on the bubble. We'll do it. I'll let the More fielding the, the 68 guys know for, uh, for Friday's show. Um, can, prior to the second half tonight, uh, Kentucky gave up 48 points in the second half. All of those defensive issues that we had seen um, for the majority of the season – uh, after spending five halves of basketball holding opponents to under 34 points against Ole Miss, against Auburn, and in the first half against LSU, 48 points in the second half for the Tigers. Um, I think, I don't even know how to ask this. We ask this question every time. Where do you stand on Kentucky? Where do you stand on their defense? If this is going to keep being a, a thing, how often are we going to have to have this conversation before something gets fixed? <laughs>
3: Um, I, you know, this doesn't change my opinion of Kentucky. I've said that they're young, uh, you know, young guys, you know, at times struggle on the road. And I do think that Kentucky has improved defensively, they showed that against Auburn. Uh, but you know, I'm with T on the T on this. If you're a big guy, you've got to protect the rim around that time. Uh, that's a crucial play. But I, you know, I've always said that the ceiling for Kentucky is high, they're going to lose on the road. And uh, you know, like a lot of other teams, they're gonna have to bring it defensively. They're gonna have to make a commitment uh to being consistent defensively if they want to make a deep tournament run uh in March would be uh you know what they need to stride towards and they've shown signs of that. Uh but um you know, obviously this was uh, you know, like Teo said, a good win for LSU and it's it's a bad loss for Kentucky, another way to put it.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's another road loss, which is a consistent theme that we've seen this season. Uh, Four ranked teams going into an opposing team's building and uh, taking a loss. And, and, you know, I I will say this, guys, you know, I I do think that it is fair to say that as a team is trying to find a way to improve something as poor as what Kentucky's defense was earlier in the year, um, that it is a very difficult
2: Wagner. Like what's going on with DJ Wagner? Why is he still starting? Why is that pressure still there? Why does Cal have him in the starting lineup? 0 for 5, 0 for 2. Like, at what point um, is it like, hey, we're going to this bullet and we're going to let Reed start or we're going to let, you know, Dillingham start. Dillingham was terrific tonight. And here's the thing. I'm not att- – hey, Cal, we're not attacking your players. We're attacking your decision to keep starting certain players. We're not attacking him. Like – like that's the thing. Like it's your responsibility to put your guys in the best position to have success. And DJ Wad- Wagner's his best position to have success is off the bench. We're not attacking DJ. We're attacking you with that decision making. So like that that to me, like I I look I, I'm a I'm a cal I'm a cal fan kinda like I've been critical of him before. I, I just get over this notion of hey don't attack my players. Attack me, okay, fine. Well, we, we can do that if you want us to because you're still starting DJ Wagner, who obviously would be better suited to see the flow of the game before just starting out and really having a hard go of it. And I and maybe it's time to bring him off the bench because he he might feel better about where he's at. You play Reed, Reed Shepard, who, again, had five steals, played his role, two assists, two boards, seven points, get you in your offense, does a lot of good things. Maybe try something different. Uh, As far as that's concerned, I I love that they're defending at a high level. I think that's really the key to what they're going to do. But you have to find somebody else to at least generate some sort of offense at the guard spot besides Antonio Reeves, because uh, DJ can be a lightning rod off the bench at this point, play really good defense and, and maybe find his offense through a little bit more sporadic minutes. So there's that. I'm just confused at why he's still in the starting lineup. No,
1: I, I, look, you're you're right, and this is definitely a conversation that people have been having about Kentucky. I don't think the issue is necessarily DJ Wagner starting as no, much as it is why Justin Edwards, or why Justin Edwards is still in the starting lineup. Like, I don't. I think you need to find a way to get Reed Shepard into that starting lineup. It's one of those two has to come off the bench in place of Reed Shepard, and. If it was me, I would probably have it be Justin Edwards that was coming off the bench. Um, I just like Reed Shepard more as like the secondary point guard, even if DJ Wagner is out there and he's not playing his best. And I also like Dillingham coming off the bench because he is so um, – he can run so hot and cold, right? I like him as the instant offense, okay, we feel like we've settled into this game. It's 8-8 eight to eight at the under – uh, at the under-16 timeout, and you bring Dilly in, and all of a sudden he rips off 10 in a row in like two minutes. Right? I just love the idea of him yeah. as a sixth man. I think he kind of is built for that role. But Reed Shepard not starting makes absolutely no sense to me.
2: Um None. And it's, but, uh, it's a problem. To, to, argue, to argue your point, Edwards provides a lot of switchability on the other end of the floor. So, like, I, I understand the value of keeping him in there. Like, DJ, I, I just feel like – if he comes in, I, I don't know how many minutes he played today, but if he comes in and, like, you know, plays 15 to 18 minutes and he just goes full throttle, gives 100% everything, picks up full court, you can. there's other ways to find your offense. There's other ways to find, like, what you're doing. I, I feel bad because he's still getting, like, all these minutes, and it's just I, I think it might be doing a disservice to him and not giving him an opportunity to kind of find himself in a different way. Does that make sense? Well, that's what we talked
1: about at the start of the year, right? The the big question was going to be with this group, navigating the relationships that are involved with some of the freshmen if they aren't the best freshmen. Obviously, Cal has known uh, DJ Wagner, his father, and his grandfather for a long, long time, right? And – the connection with Aaron Bradshaw and the agency that he is uh, affiliated with Clutch and Rich Paul is something where I don't think Cal wants to burn that bridge after everything that happened with Chris Livingston this past draft cycle right so um it's that's always was going to be the thing that that we were circling with this Kentucky team as one of the most difficult things to to try to figure like th- that's a needle that he's got a thread and I think he's having a tough time threading that needle all right I want to pivot to Duke because I do think we need to talk about Duke at this point they are on um a an impressive run uh, I have Tyler Hansborough here who is the noted uh Duke aficionado on the field of 68 probably the Duke expert What's maybe Duke? the uh the Duke, favorite. Duke? I think. The, I think the Duke fans love him more than anybody else. Uh, My favorite part about tonight, and I was really excited about this, is that we get to have Tyler come on here and talk about Illinois, have him talk about Kentucky, and now we're going to put him in a spot where he's got to talk about Duke. And, uh, yeah, it's his three favorite programs in college basketball at this point. But they go on the road. They play Miami. They beat him by 29. That's coming off of a uh, double. It was a nine-point win, but they were up double digits most of the half at Florida State. Uh, They have won five in a row. They've won eight out of nine, and since their loss to Georgia Tech to open ACC play, they have won 16 of their last 18 games. Jared McCain's starting to figure it out. Tyrese Proctor is coming off the bench, and and seems like he has accepted that role. Uh, Jeremy Roach looks like he's healthy again, and it kind of feels like this Duke team is peaking at a time that you want to be peaking, and that feels like a scary proposition with the talent that they have, Tyler.
3: Yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me of last year. Uh, Late in the year, uh, they were kind of peaking in the same way. Uh, But uh, when I look at Duke, um, I still said early on in the year, I don't think that they were playing to the potential uh, that this roster provides them, And I think uh, Jared McCain is a guy who, to me, has taken a real big step. And I know he didn't have a huge game against Miami tonight, but the games previous, he's kind of broken out and, and kind of played uh, unbelievable. I saw him late in the Smith Center when my Tar Heels smacked him in the, in the Dean Dome. Uh, he kind of gave them a boost and a little lift. Uh, but also, you know, Jeremy Roche doesn't get a lot of credit, but he's a guy who's constantly playing well for them been a little consistent all year he's a veteran player i like him uh you know my question with duke is can they handle physicality uh filipowski to me isn't a physical bang it down low big he's more of a dynamic stretch for outside big and i don't see them having much of a rim protector inside uh so to me that's what uh you know where a lot of teams can give them issues especially when my tar hills and armando baycott just controlled uh, the game inside with physicality and dominated from that way but uh that's where duke is suspect uh but duke has a lot of talent on this roster and uh i do think that they haven't reached their potential and they have a high ceiling i think they could they could go on a uh you know a run come march
1: yeah um uh, to I, I know i know you have strong feelings about this duke team specifically um and i'm just kind of like where are you where do you stand on the- go ahead
2: yeah they're huge one um two sorry let me straighten up here two uh dude I, it's an unselfish bunch like it's a fun bunch to, nobody shot more than 10 shots from the field like sure you're gonna have a couple extra free throws this that and a third but at what what I will say, Northcutt, Omir, three of fourteen. You don't hold him down without being physical. So while they don't have that rim protector, they do have some bigger bodies. That if you're able to guard on the floor and be physical on the floor, like you're going to be able to hold hold opposing bigs down. And I actually think Mark, what Mark Mitchell has been able to do as far as an off-ball defender, his activity level, he he changes things for them. And 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 I'll, this is my kind of my last thing about Duke because we. You know, I feel like I've said it all the time, but uh, like John Shire is unafraid of making changes, even when his perceived best mm-hmm. players are struggling. Like it, 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 he did it last year, wherever I, I can't remember the exact situation where they were switching up some lineups to try to make it the best to, that they could do. They put well, they brought Derek
1: the- Lively and Derrick Whitehead off the bench. They brought the two, the yeah. number one and number two recruits in the country, off the bench
2: right and, and not only that they switch positions with roach and proctor and let proctor initiate mm-hmm. and roach be the two and then this year uh they haven't found a really good you know synergy or whatever that's a, i hate that word but people use it all the time they, they haven't found a really good synergy between proctor and the rest of the guards so what do they do they bring him off the bench let him find a different role let him go against second unit guys and all of a sudden he starts to find his productivity like there's a good duke team and offensively gifted duke team guys that can score guys that move the ball guys that are unselfish and uh i mean let's be honest 19 assists and and i would assume on the road at miami that they weren't given all of all of those two dribble assists so it's a team that um (laughs) offensively like pretty good it's a matter of if they're going to be offensively uh good enough come tournament time and get enough stops especially when they play a super athletic team with big athletic wings and let's be honest guys like Miami's injury depleted right now. Cleveland's yeah. gone. back is gone. Like it's not, this is not last year's Final Four Miami team. Not even close. But that all being said, Duke playing extremely well.
1: Yeah, I just, I will say, this is where I got to talk about Vaulted. Vaulted is an app that allows you to participate in daily cash prize pools without an entry fee. It's a place that you can store your predictions forever. And by using our challenge feature, you can prove you're smarter than your friends. So go download the app. That's VLTED to challenge your friends, store your predictions and join daily cash prize pools without the entry fee. I think that this Duke team is the second weekend team. I think they can get to the sweet 16. I think I they agree. have the upside to get to the final four. Um, and to me, it's just, it's, uh, I mean, Tyler hit on this, right? And you're, you're 100% correct, Tyler. It's what they will be defensively. Are they just good? Are they great? Can they find some way to get some level of rim protection, even if that is just using Ryan Young for 20 minutes a game to be in the way as a seven-footer at the rim? Um, Is it Mark Mitchell that can kind of turn into that junkyard dog, Jaron Jackson-ish guy like that? Um, Because I don't think Filipowski's the the defender. I don't think Jared McCain's a guy that you're really going to be worried about defensively. Roach is good. He's fine. Like You have a couple pieces out there that – uh that can guard but it's not like you look up and down this lineup think about the duke teams that you guys played and how they would play on the line up the line how aggressive they were trying to force turnovers overplaying everything jumping past lanes not letting you run your offense that's not what this duke team is part of it is no in protection but um, it is what it is i like what this team's ceiling can be and where they can get to uh this season listen we got to get to a break um when we get back We're going to talk about a little bit of insanity that seems to be striking all of the head coaches in college basketball, from Dan Hurley to Rick Pitino to Kenny Payne. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March madness. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, you can use the bonus code FIELD150 and you will get $150 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's the best part. All you need to do is deposit and bet $5 of your hard-earned money. This is how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet Insurance Tokens college hoops odds boost in my personal favor a nice little parlay
2: boost here and there so download the bet mgm app and sign up today Welcome back to the Field of
1: 68 After Dark. Rob Doster, Tyler Hansborough, Terrence Oglesby. we are live series XM channel 84. We are streaming over on Stadium. Go download that brand new Stadium app. You can interact with us, jump in the chat, and fire away questions. That'll happen on the last call. That's coming up in about 30 minutes. Uh, I want to get to a conversation about some, some stuff that's going on in the coaching ranks right now. We're going to talk about Kenny Payne here in a minute. We're going to talk about Mike Woodson, who got drubbed at home by Nebraska, a team that can't do anything on the road this year. Uh, and we definitely have to talk about Dan Hurley trying to knock out or threatening to knock out a Creighton fan uh, after getting 20-pieced on the road uh, in Omaha. But I want to start with Rick Pitino. We all saw what he said um, the other <laughs> night where I think it was an emotional reaction, but uh, he definitely went and kind of crossed the line a little bit and said like he doesn't have anyone that can guard certain ways. He called it the most unenjoyable experience of his life coaching this team. And uh, I, if you know anything that about man, Yeah, he's lived the last 15 years. He's had some unenjoyable and frankly, probably some enjoyable experiences that he maybe regrets. So uh, this is what he had to say tonight. My family and my players outside of breathing air, they're the most important thing in my life. That's why I'm still coaching today. They are the air that I breathe. I love them dearly. I would never want to embarrass them or hurt them. Uh, He went on to apologize to his players and and basically apologize for what he said uh, the other night in a press conference after a 90 to 85 win uh, over Georgetown in D.C. in a game that was attended by probably as many people are currently sitting on this call in this moment. Tyler, have you ever dealt with a coach that uh, was as, um, I guess, vociferous in the way that he went after you, especially publicly as, uh, as Rick Pitino? does and has done throughout his career? Um,
3: <laughs> I played for Jim O'Brien, and um, who uh, actually has some ties with Rick Bettino And uh, he was a coach that sometimes would test those boundaries. And I'm not a big fan of calling your players out to the media. And uh, Rick Pitino is a heck of a coach, and he knows a lot more about coaching than I ever will know. But I do know that coming from a player standpoint, when he says those things, and he calls players out to the to the media, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of that. Uh, but uh, something worked; they got the dub, and uh, maybe he had a talk with a lot of the guys. I don't know the whole dynamic, but I am not a fan of calling or going after players in the media. Uh, I think that's something that should be done in the locker room.
1: Would you accept that apology? What he said when he comes out and tries to make it right?
3: No, I wouldn't um i wouldn't i would i would be a little hurt inside because some of those things uh you know it seemed like uh the frustration set in that was honesty talking i don't think he thinks this team's a, a real contender to be honest with you and that's not a knock they're not he's trying to rebuild a program he's frustrated and uh you know he's he's had a lot of teams so that's i would say that's probably what he felt right there probably what he feels
2: Yep. Yeah. t o ricky Pete thought it was going to be sweet walking in that big east now that big east is not <laughs> sweet that is a hard league it's a tough league and it's a team it's a league that has enough old guys to slow down your tempo and not turn it over like that like it's not it's not an easy league to coach in like it. it a lot of different styles a lot of different things uh hey look as far as the transfer portal he got who he wanted but did you see, have you seen how, how all the guys that left, how they're doing? Like not terrible. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, is what Mike Anderson had, the fact that he wasn't able to win is crazy. If Patino had that roster that he let go, we'd be talking a different we'd be talking to a different tune right now.
1: But can we just roll uh, through that uh, real quick? This is, this is what was yeah, on the bye. roster last year. Pach Alexander, who is uh, starting and starring and having a big impact on a Butler team that looks like they're going to make oh. the tournament. Dylan Adaiwusu, yeah. who is starting and starring and is a really good player for a Seton Hall team that is currently sitting tied for third place in the Big East. AJ Storr. Who's having like an all Big Ten caliber season for Wisconsin. He changed that Wisconsin team. He is the best player in that program. David Jones, who about a month ago was an All-American for uh, Memphis. Now, Memphis has kind of uh, fallen off of a cliff, but it is what it is. Omar Stanley has been a great big guy out at, at uh, Boise State in the Mountain West, which is, by the way, a conference that's going to probably get six teams in the NCAA tournament. So uh, it hasn't been the best for, um, uh, for St. John's alums. Uh, you're saying five not six and here's what's gonna happen you and know. so. i gonna I love it. I at home six. in the max center they're getting seven seven <laughs> there's a seven I got a pinky I, I a think pinky. I, I I would uh, love
2: for six I would love for six but I think five is more realistic anyway back to St. John's well
1: Sorry. you're just a hater um I I do want to talk about Dan Hurley, too, because I think everybody has seen this clip by now where uh, after the loss at Creighton, he's walking off the floor. A fan says something to him. He looks back at the fan. Uh, He kind of, you know, says something like, if you come on this floor and then what you hear is, I will knock you out. Uh, Is that crossing (laughs) the line for a coach that threatened to knock out a student, T.O.?
2: No, it's not crossing the line. You know why? Me and Tyler have heard a lot worse stuff than that. A lot worse. So the one time that a coach says he's going to knock somebody out, you got to let the guys come down there and duke it out and see who wins. I guarantee you Danny's getting a piece of whoever's ass he was talking to. Like, if you're going to talk slick to Dan Hurley, come on down there and get your ass whooped. That's all I'm saying about that. Like, you can say anything you want, but the second that Dan Hurley says he's going to whoop somebody, he's in trouble, you guys need to grow up. You need to grow up. I promise what you were saying is worse than that. I promise.
1: The, Tyler, you agree? Tyler what's,
2: the, <laughs> Tyler, what's the worst thing that anybody's ever said to you? What's the worst thing that you can repeat?
3: I can't even think. The worst thing, I can't even come up uh, with it off the top of my head. And, and Honestly, T.O., I, I blocked a lot of things out. You know, Luckily... Uh, yeah. You know, later on, I was just like, I'm going to block. start figuring out how I can block things out. But I will say, this whole Dan Hurley situation, this is absolutely nothing. I'll knock you out. That is it? nothing. If, and, and, you know, here's the thing is, I had no problem if that kid would have came down there and Hurley would have whooped his ass. Uh, I don't think there's <laughs> enough of that going on in society. If you're going to run your mouth and just expect no one to take it from you, then there's something wrong that's too soft. And uh, so for me, I gained a lot of respect from Hurley like this. Uh, The fact that we have to talk about it and actually is this crossing line? Absolutely, it's not.
1: (laughs) Well, look, all I'll say is that when you're the coach of the number one team in the country, like you probably shouldn't be caught doing that on camera. Like that's not the best look in the world. But I also do think that when you are uh, part of the reason why Dan Hurley is as good as he is, is because uh, he is an absolute lunatic um uh competitive to a fault and uh when you catch him after an ass whooping like he took and you say the wrong thing to him, yeah, he's he's probably gonna react. And that's why he is who he is, and that's why he's as successful as he is. And uh you're gonna have to live with it if you are uh you going as long as he's not jumping the the, the the barrier and going after a kid in the stands like I think,
2: I think we're all right. He's just let him pick, let him pick one good. out. Hey hey let him pick one out. If somebody's like watching and they see somebody say uh. something be like, hey, let, let Dan be like, hey, I'm gonna go get that one. Bring him. I'm gonna whoop him in the tunnel.
1: Yeah. All right. Look, I wanna. We got about two minutes here, and I'm gonna make sure that we. we yeah, I know. Look, we don't we don't need uh we, we don't need to put the ideas in Dan Hurley's head. Okay, <laughs> he's got he's got enough going on in there. We don't need to put ideas in there. Uh, I do want to talk about Mike Woodson here. Uh, we'll, we'll get to probably Kenny Payne in the afters, maybe maybe here in the next segment. But they lost by 15 at home to a Nebraska team. That came in 0 7 on the road. Like the whole thing about this Nebraska team is they can't beat, you don't want them in the tournament because they can't beat anybody on the road. And they come into your building, into Assembly Hall, T.O., you, which is supposed to be one of the best home court advantages in the country, and blitz you. They were up by 20 at that. They put 51 points on you in the first half. Like what, at what point? I don't think that he's anywhere near in trouble because I don't think that they're going to do that to one of their own. But at some point, you got to look at what's happening here and say, this is not working. You would think,
2: right? You know, I, I think, you know, he's got a pretty good amount of talent on that roster, but eventually you're going to have to win something. Uh, and, and they're not patient in Bloomington, man. Like, they have some inflated expectations there. Uh, and compared to the rest of the league, like, it's kind of a mid-tire job in the Big Ten. And I, I'm not trying to hate on Indiana because I, I grew up loving Indiana. A, but it, it's just a mid just It's a mid-tier job, did it again. I did it again. I'm sorry. Mid-tier, mid-tier job? Yeah, mid-tier, <laughs> mid-tier. I did it again. I don't know. It's I'm tired, man. I've done three games on every coast and every time zone. Uh, so it's, it's a mid-tier job for the whole league, and they, they don't necessarily have the facilities that the rest has. Like, it's just an okay job. Like, what are your expectations? They're a little bit like NC State, Tyler, in that they won a couple national championships 50 years ago, and they still think they're supposed to be in the mix. Like, they need to be like a first – they need to be like a an NCAA tournament team, and then if they're good in the NIT and make a run to the Final Four of the NIT, like, people should be happy. That's what Indiana fans should be happy with. That's where that job's at right now. Sorry to say it, guys. Sorry to say it.
1: T.O.? I mean, uh, Tyler? I'm
3: with, T. I'm with T.O. on this. Uh, you know, just uh you know, last – a couple of shows ago we were talking about Indiana, and I was laughing because I don't even remember the last time they were good. Uh, but you know the expectations where they want to be. You know it's, you know who's available, and you know I don't I don't know how you really turn the program around because it doesn't really have the prestige that Indiana thinks it thinks it has. I mean they they really think that they're blue blood. They're out of the mix right now. Uh, so you know I'm with T. They're 100%. not hundred percent. They don't have the funding. They yeah. don't
2: have the funding of the rest of the blue bloods. They don't. Have, I mean. The only thing they do have is they do have the fan support of the rest of the Blue Bloods. They just don't have the funding. And that, that's the game changer right now.
1: Yeah. And they really should be better than they are, regardless of all the things that we are saying about them and all the negatives they're listening. We do have to talk about Nebraska here because they're very much on the bubble. They're very much in the mix. They get an NCAA tournament bid. So was Providence. So are the Mississippi schools. we got a lot to get to on the bubble. It was an exciting night after dark. Big news guys, I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph, a company founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. The Autograph fandom app gives you access to the best College Hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do, following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first name basis these days, co-founded Autograph, he had one mission in mind, change the fan experience for the better. It works like this. You get all of your college hoops content you want in one place. You get articles from your favorite writers, pods from your favorite hosts, Contests from your favorite creators all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy. But instead of having to go to all these different places, it all comes to you in one spot. The Autograph fandom Map. But here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68, that's F68, or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple. Welcome back to the Field of 68 After Dark. It is live Wednesday night, SiriusXM Channel 84. My name is Rob Doster. I have Tyler Hansborough with me. I have Terrence Oglesby with me. Make sure you download that all-new Stadium app and interact with us during the show. Join the live chat, play interactive games, and uh, and get a chance to win certain prizes. We want to hear from you, so download that app now. Join the conversation. You can join us on Last Call on the Stadium app in exactly 12 minutes at the top of the hour gentlemen let's talk about the bubble let's talk about nebraska before we talk about what their uh their resume looks like i feel like you, this team. i feel like this is the kind of team where if they find a way to get it when you got a guy like he's tomanaga and you got some guys that can fill it up offensively um and you got the wilcher kid and, and and you got the uh i'm blanking on his name who's the big european kid they got um i'll think of it Rick in a second mass. They, they, Rick yeah mass. Rick mass there we you go they can really get it going offensively. I feel like this is a team that could be dangerous if they end up as like, let's just say that they're a, an 11 or a 12 seed. I don't think you want to see this team.
2: No, they're good. Plus, they have that lightning rod. Uh, How do you pronounce it? Kaysai, Casey, Kisei, Kaysai. Keezy Tominaga. my main man, Kizi, uh, who I was hating on last summer. But I was hating on it for the right reason. He needed to come back to school. I did. I, I hated on him out of love. It's kind of like I hate on my kids out of love. And when my son needs help, I hate on him a little bit. Lesson learned. He, he gets better. Told me Naga got better. And he's a lightning rod, and he can score. Here, here's the thing. I, I'm happy uh, for those guys. I've, Fred Hoiberg's had a hard time kind of getting that thing going. He now has the right blend of players. Uh, Mast is a really nice player, really, really nice player. Uh, and it, so much of it, guys, you know, Hoiberg, was the guy at iowa state who jumped in the portal before the portal was the portal if that makes sense like he was Mm -hmm. taking the cream of crop uh you know out of the transfer market and uh, making them play together really well but but kind of the the problem with that sometimes it can go awry simply because you know personalities don't mesh or you get too much of one thing and not the other thing. And there's not a good mix. Like I get too much offense, not enough defense, too much defense, not enough scoring. Like it's a guessing game year to year. And now he has the right blend of guys. I, I feel like they could certainly, uh, I feel like they could certainly make the NCAA tournament. And John Fanta picked him to make the tournament. I want to say in November or October.
1: Mm-hmm. I think Fanta picks them to, to make the final four with New Mexico. That's going to be his national title game, Nebraska, uh, and New Mexico. The other one that's really interesting, Tyler, is we saw, um, <laughs> yeah, we saw, we uh, saw Chris Beard and Ole Miss get. Um, I'm sorry, Chris Beard and Ole Miss lose at Mississippi State tonight, and both of those teams are in a position where they're kind of right there on the cut line right Ole miss is uh one of the teams that we have in a playing game on the fielding the 68 bracket mississippi state is a nine seed right now i want to talk about Ole miss for a second because this is a group that uh has kind of done the thing that to loves to rail against and not schedule anybody in the non-conference and then go out and win a couple games in league play at home and all of a sudden everyone thinks that they're really 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 damn good um what do you make of Ole miss what do you make of chris beard uh with this program and um, if you are nineteen and seven, but you are six and seven in the SEC, and you have a non-conference uh, schedule that ranks um, outside the top three hundred, should you be allowed in the tournament? Then, if you are not going to play anybody, I kind of feel like that's a that's a non-starter for me.
2: For for me, yeah. like you look at that team. Oh, sorry, Tyler. I, I thought you said no. Teams, no, so go ahead,
3: I'll, I'll, I'll piggyback on. I'm off weird, you. I, uh, I,
2: I'm, I, I'm weirding the T's. You got to be more specific with your T's, Doster. Come on, host. Come on, host. What are we doing? Uh, anyway, they've lost four out of their last five. Uh, th- I'm a fan of Ole Miss. Like I, I, I'm i a big Matthew Morrell guy. I think he's really good, and I think him playing for Chris Beard uh, is awesome. I think it's worked out really well in his favor. It's a team that shoots the three really well. They shoot 38%, 13th in the country. That's pretty good. Uh, I, I am shocked that they're not better defensively, quite frankly. Um with some of the guys on that roster, the shot blocking they have, the length they have on the interior, uh, the ability to, with with some of those bodies to get out and pressure, I'm, I'm shocked they're not better defensively. But I'm almost not willing to punish them as much because if you look at their if you look at their schedule, like they tried. <laughs> if nothing else, they tried. It's just such a crapshoot when it comes to scheduling sometimes. Like unless it's just blatantly intentional, like some of these other teams that How we've do talked they try? about. Here. How NC State. NC State made the tournament last year, brought in a bunch of people, and you schedule that game right after they make the tournament, so you're assuming they'll make the tournament again. Memphis started out great this season, and then they floundered. They have talent. They're old. They floundered. They got hurt. They had some guys get hurt. Uh, UCF, everybody's talking about how good the Big 12 is. I mean, do you not get credit for doing that? I mean, you can't can't say Big 12 is great. Every team in the Big 12 is the greatest team to ever play, and then not give the team that beats them credit. I'm hating right now. T.O. Right 100% I'm hating. 100%. Can't have one and not the other. Can't have they
1: scheduled, they scheduled Temple, NC State, Memphis, UCF, and Cal, and you're out here talking about how they, they tried to put together a good schedule. No. Come on, man. It's a better
2: non-conference schedule than Iowa State.
1: They'll comment on that one
2: um <laughs> yeah full comment. no no no, you can't not do that see that goes hey that goes back to my you can't do one without the other that's this whole that's no my the, whole argument I,
1: look yeah the, i think the difference is what iowa state has actually done in league play is much more impressive like they got kansas what and if? houston at home what if? and and what, what if? if uh and ole miss has gotten what florida at home they've lost four of their last five the only win they have in that stretch is a three point win at home over a Missouri team that hasn't won a single damn game in the SEC this year. And now they get South Carolina at Alabama and they still have to go uh, to Georgia and get Texas AM. I, I yeah, I don't know. What if? I, I I what
2: if what if the SEC is actually a better league than the Big Twelve? What if?
1: <laughs> what what if? Nobody what if
2: we have no idea how to gauge the Big Twelve outside of Kansas.
1: What if uh, no what if I'm actually what if I'm actually a better basketball player than you? We've never se- you've never fun. seen me play anybody. You've never seen me play know, anybody. Know, so There's no way you, that you can know. I
0: kicked off your
2: team like five times. Like there's it had no nothing way. to do with
1: basketball ability. It was all because of yeah, this. I've
2: seen a lot of people do some shit that ain't good and they got to stay on the team because they were good basketball players. Are you better than your problems? Apparently, Rob Doster was better than his problems.
1: No, I, well, hey, you know look, what that, I definitely was not. I can confirm that. I, I was not better than my problems. <laughs> hey, look, I was good enough to know I wasn't very good. I was good enough to know how good I wasn't. Um, Tyler, I hate to do this to you since I've made you talk about all three of your favorite teams tonight. But the one guy that I do know that you are a huge fan of is Wes Miller. Uh, They lost a tough one at home to Oklahoma State tonight. That's now three out of four that they've lost, uh, and it drops them to five and eight in the Big 12. They're in every game. They don't get blown out. They have had a little bit of trouble figuring out how to win uh, close ones. And now they get the uh, pleasure of going on the road to TCU and Houston uh, in a four-day stretch, this is a really, really important two-game uh, swing here for uh, for your Bearcats and your West Miller.
3: Yeah, definitely. And you know, I look at their uh, games coming up; they're going to have uh, three quad-one win opportunities. And so, to me, really, it comes down to how they're going to handle these upcoming games. Uh, but I do like Cincinnati. You know, obviously, West Miller, uh, you know, a good buddy of mine. But they play hard, and the Victor Lockin kid. Uh, For them, is one of the better players, one of the better bigs, I think, in the Big 12. And also, I'm just going to say this, the Big 12 is a much better conference in basketball than the SEC this year. It's not even close, in my opinion. I actually don't even think the SEC is going to have one team in the Sweet 16. But that's my opinion. So, Cincinnati will have their opportunities. We'll see if they capitalize.
1: All right. All right, we got a minute left here. Let's quickly get through it. Toast of the night. T.O., you got 15 seconds. Who are you cheersing to? on this night of college
2: basketball. I can't remember. I can't remember. I'm cheersing to Arkansas State for leaving me a package of goodies whenever I got here. How's that? Cheers to them. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Tyler, who you got?
3: I'm going to go Puff Johnson. He had a big steal late in the game. Got the layup uh, to just put it to Illinois. Uh, So, here's old Puff. Tar too. All
1: right uh colorado state by the way if you guys aren't watching this get the cbs sports network on your second screen 62 61 um they just hit a huge three patrick cartier hit a huge three to put him up 62 61 43 seconds left a thriller in the pit uh t almost pooped his pants in the pit one time uh, my cheers of the night is going to go out to george mason for the first time in the history of the george mason program they beat a ranked team in their own building 71 to 67 tonight they beat number 16 dayton uh who dayton by the way is now um 21-5 on the season they're having an unbelievable
2: year but uh cheers go out to george mason and tony skin that's a hell of a win for that